to wine spirits and, and witches. witches this is monica and this is shauna and we're your high priestess for this evening and tonight guys we have a very very special ask astraga episode for you um i know a lot of you guys like have this as like your favorite you love the ask astragas but tonight you're not just asking any old strega you are going to be asking big papa strega because we have with us the darling Vinny. hi Vinny. hey Vinny. hi it's so good to hear you guys again ah uh, so good to, that you came on again we so appreciate this yes thank you oh, so my much pleasure. This my is... two favorite west coast girls Oh, thank you. I miss you. I am so happy because I've been looking forward to recording this episode just to even just sit and shoot the shit with you a little bit. I'm so excited. Yes. So I'm on that. Looking forward to it. But you know, someone screwed it up last week. Uh, yeah, I, know. Monica. Yeah, I just happened to be in that, the hospital having surgery. That's all. <laughs> My bad. My bad. Yeah. But uh yeah, here well, you are now. Was Everybody was complaining about 2020. For me and Monica, 2021 has been the bad year. Yeah. You know, it It really has. I feel like 2020 was more like bad on like, a, like it affected everyone, like on an external level in a lot of ways. But I feel like 2021 affected people on an internal level, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, well, for me, it definitely does. You know, yeah. I'll be having, I have one operation. I have another one to go through. It's just been a very rough year, but you know what? I'll, I'll make it through. Yeah. You're, yeah, you will. You're, 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 you're a tough cookie, man. You're, tough. you're a badass. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Shauna, we have a specific, well, we're going to talk about some questions that our listeners sent in, correct? Yeah, so we have some interesting questions that listeners sent in, and we did have one specific one that was sent in that literally there is only one person in the world that could probably answer this well, and it's Vinny, hence why we are here recording this. But I'm going to save that one till the end we're always gonna save the best for last i mean all the questions are good but we're gonna save that one for for last but our first question comes in from angie who is one of our um wsw um coven members on patreon okay and she says you guys mentioned dreams i know you have a dream episode that i will have to look for but whenever i dream or remember my dream i am a witch doing something to protect others flapping my arms to fly away from people i feel like i that, let me hold on let's let me learn how to read flapping my arms to fly away from people that want to harm me or flying like I'm trying to transform into something with wings and disappearing or hiding in trees but I can never see what kind of feather so what's her question but I guess it's just like what what is your interpretation of that if she's having these dreams that she's doing something to protect others or in these dreams she's transforming into something with wings some type of almost like a bird maybe um, but she never knows what and it's to like get away from people that are causing harm like do we have any input on what maybe that could potentially mean wow a couple of things that hit me right away the first thing I wish I knew what her sign was. Is she a Scorpio? If she was a Scorpio, a lot of people think that the scorpion is the symbol of the Scorpio. And that's partially true. 
But there's two other levels to a Scorpio. One yep. is the Phoenix, and one is the Eagle. Yes. So if she definitely, if she was a Scorpio, I would say this is her totem, her astrological totem, helping her change from being this, on the ground as a Scorpion to the Phoenix to the Eagle. And we all know that the Eagles are very protective. If she's not, and again, she might be a Scorpio sun, moon, rising, or have it very prominent in her chart. The second thing that hit me right away was she needs to really get in touch with her. Well, this isn't really Stragy. This is more Native American and some of the other uh, Celtic tradition to get in touch with her animal totem. And Monica's going to love this answer. She needs to read Animal Speak right. uh, by Ted Andrews. And, yes. in the, and Ted really gets into dream working with animals. Because uh, I had a dream once about, and when I called Ted and Ted helped me interpret this dream, it was about moose. Uh, and there was a dying moose and I was had its head on my lap and that he said, you're going to go through a major transformation because it, they were walking across a cold, snowy tundra, <coughs> and I was consoling Moose. And sure enough, there was a big change that year. That was the year I had open-heart surgery the first time. So I would recommend she reads Animal Speak uh, okay. and the different of uh, uh, bird uh, totems in that. And that might help. The third mm -hmm. thing they have, the third thing, she said she didn't see her feathers. Maybe they weren't feathers. Maybe they were uh, a dragon or uh, some, a bat, something like that, because not everything that flies is a bird. They right. all don't have feathers. So she needs to look at that too. And again, I refer back to animal speak to look up that or look up um, things Dragon. on drag. What does that mean? I really wish she was here so we could ask her some other questions. Uh, does she see the other people in, that she's protecting? Uh, is it on a, what's the environment? Is she like at her house? Is she in the woods? Or is it just a big blank space? So there's a lot more to put into it. But I think animal speak would be the, the first thing she needs to look at. It's a great book. It's published by Llewellyn. And I, here I'm doing commercials for him again. And yeah. again, it's written by Ted Andrews, who was a very close personal friend of mine and Monica's. Yes, indeed. Yes. And a fabulous author. I was not lucky enough to ever meet him, but I love his books and I feel like they have helped shape my understanding of witchcraft and of things around me. And the great thing about his books is that they're very hands-on. He's got lots of homework for you guys to do in them. So you get to really put things into practice. Yep. 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 Mm -hmm. Yep. You, you kind of took the answer out of my mouth though. Like I was going to say like, animal speak and animal wise would be the way to go because i feel like she has to get in touch with her her animal totems a little bit because that's probably part of what this is but i love that you point out the dragon and the bat because my brain didn't even go there 
Oh yeah, I went to the bat. Yeah, and you know, I also put the shape shifting aspect into that too. She shape shifted from a witch to a bird or a witch to a flying animal. So there's like that shape shifting energy around that too, which Ted Andrews has a book on that too. <laughs> oh, what's that one called? Shape shifting, I believe. Shape shifting, it's called that. Um, yeah, it's a great book. Writer. So he had a lot of books, a lot of articles out there. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a quick story about Ted. Uh, this was back in Jersey. I had to do a cleansing down the shore, which in Jersey you speak, down the shore means at the beach. Right. Uh, some Italian friends of mine uh, invited me down to do a cleansing because they were having some problems. They thought someone threw them like the evil eye on them. So Ted was doing a lecture series that weekend. I said, come on, come with me. I got to go do a job. And he never seen been down to Jersey Shore. So first we go and we do the cleansing. And I really appreciated having Ted there because Ted picked up on some different uh, energies than I did. So then afterwards, they treated us to an Italian meal. And this was the Italian summer meal. We had crabs loaded with garlic. We had all kinds of seafood, and it was all caught fresh right in their lagoon. Uh, then we had the pastries. Me and Ted ate and drank wine for like three hours. And the whole way home, we burped and smelled like garlic. <laughs> but on the way home, we, uh, I, we, were, we went by the ocean, and there were seven white ducks walking along right in between us and the ocean. And I said, oh, my God, if anything could be a, a sign, that's it. He goes, what? We're down to your shore. Or we're down at the ocean. Of course there's going to be ducks. I said, Ted, we don't have white ducks in New Jersey. And he went, oh. I said, we're here to do a ritual to Yamaya, who's the mother of the oceans and mother of fish, and her symbol is white ducks oh, and wow. her number is seven and he was like oh wow and there was these set, and there's no such thing as wild white ducks in New Jersey so it was definitely a symbol then we did our ritual at the ocean for Yamaya and on the way home he that was his first experience with Santeria and actually probably maybe his third experience with Stregeria, because the ritual we did was Stregi at the pizzeria. And he was just amazed. The funniest thing, though, he was sitting there and waiting for the women to sit down before he started eating. Well, the men are eating. We looked at him. We're like, Ted, if you're waiting for the women, it ain't going to happen. They're eating in the kitchen. He's like, huh? I said, yeah, we don't wait for the women because they're always busy in the kitchen. And I don't think they ever came to the table to eat. We, it was just the men eating, and the women were bringing food. He was like, this is just like everything I ever seen in a movie about Italians. I said, yeah, especially considering half of us here don't even speak English that well. So we definitely transported Ted that day. That's awesome. That's a great story. I love that. I love that, too. That's I love story. that. You have the best stories, Vinny. I could listen to you talk, talk and just talk about different things that have happened forever. Go, so, let's sorry, go back to the, huh? Let's go back to the dragon for a minute. Okay. Okay. Um, 
my original, the man who really initiated me into Wicca was a guy named, also named Ted, ironically. And uh, when I first met him, you know, he was a little skeptical because uh, I knew, I met him through a mutual friend of ours, a lady named Camille. Camille was a doll. And um, he showed me how to use tarot cards, my very first time using tarot cards. And I'm looking at the cards. And I say, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I keep seeing someone named Basil or Basil. And Ted looked at me like, huh? I said, yeah, but it's like a dragon with a, kind of like a human face on this dragon. He's like, okay, we got to stop now. And his wife was laughing. And I'm like, what? He goes, you just saw my animal spirit, uh, a, a, a guardian spirit that I did a ritual to obtain. And I got this dragon and his name was Basil or Basil. Oh. He was like, you're kidding. And this was my very first experience in cards or Wicca. He goes, but it doesn't show that in the cards. I said, I don't care. That's what I see. And his wife is like, good enough. But what happened was, and the reason why I'm bringing this story up is Ted used to have us do this exercise where we bought an animal guardian or spirit guardian. And it often showed up as an animal. And we had like work with it, feed it. And I think I did it with Monica a few times of getting these animal guides or these animal spirit protectors. And um, that's something else she needs, this person needs to look at is to develop an animal protector or spirit protector that protects her on the astral plane. So like while you're sleeping, you still have this animal uh, protecting you on the astral. So Ted developed like a, 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 a dragon. Mine ended up being a, an eagle. Uh, someone else I knew had a black panther. So it's you, you develop this character, this being on the astral. It's like a thought form, but you and you empower it. So this might be something else her dream is telling her about is to develop an astral uh, protector. And probably one with wings, I'm assuming, right? Definitely one with wings. <laughs> All right. I like yeah, it. That's some really solid advice. Yeah, like a dragon, a griffin, uh, an owl even, because don't forget, owls are predatory birds. Yes. Yep. This is yep. true. I like it. That's awesome. Okay, well, and, and this this question came in from Angie, and I'm sure that everyone can use that use some of that information. But Angie, when you hear this, like, let us know like what vibes with you write in, like follow up, and like let us know what what you ended up taking from that because I feel like you got some really good options there. This is really cool. Uh huh. So our next one has a little bit of a story and a background to it, and this comes in from Ashley. And she says, how do you perceive deities, especially between pantheons? My patroness deity is the North goddess Freya. I chose her or she chose me through a dream in which she introduced herself by name. When I read about her, I was instantly drawn to her as more badass and active and sexy than a passive maiden or a mother figure. And through myths, I think she was 
she had a funny sense of humor. I felt linked to her through life events like finding two gray kittens last summer since she's known for loving her two gray cats. We both love jewelry and similar colors from what I've read. Freya's energy is one that I want to channel and cultivate into my own life. So sometimes I think of her as a symbol of that specific powerful feminine energy wavelength. But at other times, I think of her like an invisible person with consciousness and fluctuating needs who can communicate with me. Thinking about the different pantheons of gods further complicates the question. Do you think of Venus and Freya as two totally different beings? Not growing up pagan, I always thought Venus and Aphrodite were vaguely interchangeable Greek and Roman equivalent representations of feminine energy. However, now a pagan witch, I feel connected to Freya specifically. I like Venus, but I don't know her. It's kind of strange. I don't know of any ancestral connection to Scandinavia, so my bond only with that region's goddess is unexplainable outside of the past life theory. Or did Freya find me because she is really the best fit for my growth? Thank you so much, Ashley. Gee. Wow, that's interesting. We've had many, many conversations and discussions about interpantheon or intertraditional relationships. My view is, and I've studied many different traditions, um, initiated in three different traditions, and I found that there is a cosmic consciousness that connects everybody. So, yes, Venus and Aphrodite are very similar. Slight differences, one being Roman, one being Greek. But if you also look at the Santeria, the Ifa, Yoruban pantheon, Venus is very similar to Oshun. Freya is very similar to Venus, Aphrodite, and Oshun. So I think that on some higher level, some greater level, these pantheons developed very similar to each other, but geographically uh influence like if you look at Oshun she's African she's beautiful and she lives in the waters where the, uh, the sweet waters meaning the rivers the lakes um, and if you look at Venus again young beautiful born of the sea and Frey is pretty much the same but one is black one is brownish colored, you know, the olive skin of the Italian peninsula or the Greek islands. And one is white, very pale, light hair, light skin, because we have our own perceptions of what things should be on a mortal physical level. So do I think Freya and Venus are somewhat related? Yes. Are they the same thing? No, because there are differences as well. Um, I'm not that familiar with the Nordic mythologies as I am with the Italian, the Greco, Roman, and uh, African deities. But yeah, I think there is a similarity. Uh, Again, she might not know if she has any Scandinavian in her, but we do know that the Vikings moved from Scandinavia, they went through Ireland and England, Scotland, they went into France, they were found in uh, 
They went to Spain. They were in Sicily and southern Italy. They made it as far as the Middle East, uh, over near Jerusalem, uh, the Levant, in that area as well. And they went up and down the Volga. So the Scandinavian bloodlines pretty much spread all through the Western Hemisphere. We also That's know they really made it to So you might only have 1% of Scandinavian blood and not even know it. When I did my uh, DNA testing, I was shocked to find out certain things. I always thought, of, oh, I'm Italian, Irish, and German. I also have a little Jewish in me. I have Caucasian, meaning from Georgia, Armenia, Turkey area. I had some uh, Scandinavian in me, which kind of I figured would happen, being that the Scandinavians went into Ireland. Uh, I had British in me, which I would never normally admit. <laughs> and I think that was such a good German, because my mother's maiden name is Reiberger. They came from the Alsace-Lorraine region, which makes me technically French, which I will never admit again. <laughs> I am German. And most people in Alsace-Lorraine, even though they're technically under the French government, they identify more as German. So you do not really know who or what you are until those DNA tests really shock you. Uh, one of the things they say in Santeria is you are reincarnated through your bloodlines. So oh, interesting. You could, yeah, well, you, they don't believe that you're, um, you know, reincarnated to someone totally unrelated to you. It comes through your bloodlines. And, of course, people always thought that was science fiction or just mythology. But what we're finding out with DNA is there is a connection, and we do carry certain traits from our ancestors, um, physically, uh, even mentally. Uh, you could have traits like maybe you're a great artist. And you look at your parents and say, oh, they weren't good artists, but I'm a great artist. But you find out your great-grandfather was an artist. Or you find out that, um, you know, everybody has genetic diseases, you know, or genetic uh, possibilities of having a disease. Uh, in my case, it's a bad heart and uh, Lynch's syndrome. So that's part of that DNA reincarnation happening through your whole system, your whole body, and I feel it happens to you spiritually, too. So there is a good chance that maybe she's not Scandinavian, but she's Irish, and there's that little bit of Scandinavian influence in the Irish uh, pagan religions. Maybe that Scandinavian influence uh affected what the Romans practiced or the uh, the early uh, Russians because we know that those influences do cross over. Remember, the Magyar, uh, the uh, Huns, the, uh, the Mongols came all the way from eastern China and they made it all the way to Vienna. So that 
Mongolian influence affected the people in Eastern Europe, too. So you really never know. On that note, that's it's kind of veering off topic of, of her question, but when we're talking about, um, you know, potentially not having DNA lineage that connects us to a specific pantheon, but we do see that happen um, where people do get, well, and, and again, like, I guess, unless you've had a DNA test, you really don't know, but what about people like one of my best friends, she's Irish and Italian, but she's very drawn to the Egyptian pantheon, or I, as far as I know, I have no connection to India, but I'm very drawn to a relationship with Ganesh. How do we look at okay. those things and interpret that? Like, is that something, um, where it's kind of like, we just say like our spirit, like is just connecting with that on some level though possibly but let's go back to your friend that's irish and italian and she's connecting to the egyptian pantheon caesar mm-hmm. conquered egypt oh well there we Mark go <laughs> married cleopatra they took you know the goddess isis isn't even an egyptian name that's the roman name that the romans gave for that mother goddess in egypt and the Romans were well known for taking everybody's influence and bringing it around back to Rome and changing it. So guess what? That Roman, that Italian influence or DNA she has, the That's Italians did Egyptian gods back to uh, Rome, to Italy. So That's there could really cool. be that connection. Okay. I like See, that. I never thought about that. One of the great things about history is you find really weird lines and correlations between different groups. The same way you say you're attracted and a connection to Ganesh, if you look at your history, we do know, because you, you said your family's from Hawaii or part of your family's from yeah. Hawaii. Well, the Hawaiians came from other parts in the Far East. That's really cool. I didn't, I would have never even thought about making a connection in that way. I think you just blew my mind. Well, I'm glad. That's what I'm here for. (laughs) (laughs) So... Thank you for that. That's really cool. I'm going to actually like, I think need to dig a little bit more into history now and start kind of picking some of that apart. Cause that's really cool. Cause that's true. And I just never thought about it in that way. I think you just blew probably everyone's mind. Cause now everyone's going to be tracing like their family lineage and looking at historically like, okay, when did this country cross paths with this one that I might like might explain why I'm interested in this pantheon, but um, getting back a little Remember bit to what, mm-hmm. Remember, too, Marco Polo was in China, and he dealt with the Mongols, the Chinese, and everybody along the trade route, you know, the Silk Road. So those influence from China went all the way down the Silk Road, all the way into Italy, and then went, remember, at one time during the Renaissance, Italy was the center of the world, and went throughout Europe. So those lines do are more of a web in a maze than it is just a straight definite one line one path that's true that's very true that's really cool and this is why we need to pay attention in history class kids right (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
Ricky is a good, well, good like history, history buff, so I'll be drilling him. History, yeah. unfortunately, you love or hate history depending on the teachers you had. I was yeah. always fortunate to great history teachers that fostered my curiosity. Yeah, that's true. I've had some really fantastic history teachers, and I will say I still do remember so much from those classes, even though some of those teachers were back in like middle school. Yeah, yeah. So when Ashley like me, Monica, middle school was a long, 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 <laughs> long time ago. Yes, it sure was. It sure <laughs> sure was. Huh. Well. With Ashley, when she was talking here, she says, like, how do you perceive deities? And I think it's interesting because she talks about how sometimes she sees um, she sees Freya kind of like in herself with the similar qualities that they share or the similar life events that she can relate and say, okay, like, for instance, like, she found two great kittens. And one thing about Freya is that she's known for her love of her two great cats. But other times she feels like, uh, Freya's energy comes almost like this this invisible person, this consciousness that's there that has needs and wants that she needs to communicate. And I think that's interesting because I feel at least with my experience of working with the deities that I work with, I understand that where I do see similarities between me and their stories and I get that, but also there are times where I very much so sense their presence and I understand that they are telling me like, hey, this is this is what I want right now. Yeah, I think I think that in paganism and even in certain forms of Christianity, especially like the more Orthodox, like the Roman Catholic, the Russian Orthodox, those beings, whether you call them deities, angels, saints, they do make their presence known to us. There's plenty of mythologies and stories and legends where the gods came down and made themselves present to a mortal, except that sometimes they physically interacted. The same in um, saints. I mean, there's plenty of stories and mythologies or legends that in the Catholic Church where the Blessed Virgin made herself physically uh, appear to children, uh, like in Lourdes and Fatima, um, Mallorca, and there's several other places. So when there is a very definite possibility that Freya is making her presence aware, uh, or making her presence known physically, spiritually, mentally, psychologically, and if you really understand, you're going to try to take those better aspects of her and strengthen yourself. So, yeah, I do believe that she has some type of, she's in some touch with the divine. And that's a good thing. I think that definitely shows that, that strong connection with her with her deity and stuff. So I think that's great. And it's showing her to trust, like, she's picking up the signs. You know, she's seeing them and she's picking them up. And, like, trust your intuition and trust the signs because you're, you're, you're picking up what they're laying down. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. 
I love it. Well, we have two more questions. Um, this one also comes from someone named Ashley. So this is the episode of the Ashleys. Shout out to you two. Uh-huh. This one says, I hope you're doing well. I was curious about what things you do to practice every day. What are some ways that you incorporate witchcraft into your everyday life? I really appreciate you guys so much. Much love and blessings. So I'll just go first, like just like a very simple one that everyone can incorporate because we never fully get away from this unless you live as a nudist 24-7, but is color magic in regards to your clothing? Yes, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. That's a very good one. Wearing certain colors for different energies. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Matter of fact, in some of the religions, they wear the color of the god for that festival like again in santeria on on december 4th which is saint barbara's day everybody dresses in red and white which are the colors of saint barbara or chango on um on september 7th everybody dresses in blue and white in honor of yamaya the romans didn't do that so much because the richest Romans wore white all the time, but that is definitely wearing clothing that relates to a higher power is a definite way of practicing on a daily basis. Yes, I agree with that. Another way is cooking magic. That's mm-hmm. very, that's something I do, you know, putting that love into the food and stirring it a certain way and the herbs that you're adding in, that's all part of cooking magic. So that's something you could definitely incorporate into your daily witch life for sure. Absolutely. You can find some really great recipes or, you know, if you know the, the energetic correlation and correspondence between the, the foods and the herbs that you're using, which sometimes I don't, but I just, I'll just feel compelled to kind of like put a little something into the food. So I'll, I'll talk to it. I'll uh-huh. talk to it or chant chant over it while I'm stirring it. Yep, and food and always that's... tastes better. Always tastes better when you put love into it, for mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely. Yes. My mother, who is a at one time was a devout Roman Catholic, used to say about my Italian grandmother, "Oh, she was the best cook because she put her love into everything she made." Like that's how my grandmother showed her love by cooking something special for you. So that's definitely uh, a way to practice your religion on a daily basis. You yep. can also, going along with the cooking, uh, you make a special meal for your deity because every one of the gods and goddesses or rishas, whatever you want to call them, have their favorite foods. Yes. So by So take something simple. You're making uh, white rice with corn that's sacred to oh yeah so you made a dish of rice and corn you put some out to your god uh you have to know what your gods like to eat and drink do not give them the wrong thing they get offended but that's we have a thing called the evil chore which is where everything you eat you put a little bit on a dish for your orisha and you do it for so many days and then at the end of the, so say it was for Chango, which is the number four, you do it for four days. And on the fourth day, or the sixth day, you scrape it all together and bring it to the woods with six pennies and you leave it for them. 
But it's that effort that everything you ate all day for seven days or six days, whatever, you're making a physical conscious effort to uh, give thanks or petition to your higher power. Even again, in Catholicism, there are special meals eaten for special occasions. Uh, in Ireland, for St. Bridget, which happens to be the Roman, uh, the Celtic god Breed's Day, they made blueberry pancakes or blueberry muffins, which were sacred to St. Breed. Um, in Italy, they had special foods made for St. Lucy, who happens to be related to Diana Lucifera. So making those foods for holidays and you can make that connection between the food and the deity is a way of practicing on a daily basis. Yeah. So, and would you say, because like, I'm trying to think, think I'm like, well, I don't like, I'm thinking of um, like, for instance, like Pluto and Venus, cause those are the two that I work the most closely with. Would you say like, like, cause I'm trying to like go off the top of my head of what would be sacred. Like I know that like mint is sacred to Pluto. So if I wasn't sure what his favorite food is, could I make him something mint based? Sure. Okay. I like that. Remember, what did did Pluto feed Persephone? Persephone, that's that's the thing, yeah. I give him... What did he feed her? Pomegranates, and I give him pomegranates a lot, and I'm never sure. I'm like, I'm assuming you like these, because I haven't gotten any blowback from giving them, even though I know (laughs) it's technically, like, sacred to your wife, but you love her a lot, so here you go. Well, he ate them too. And you could also put out pomegranate wine or pomegranate juice. Mm-hmm. He gets a pomegranate so, tequila sometimes that my father-in-law makes. And it's yummy stuff. Oh, yeah, you're going to have to share that with me the next time I see you. Um, <laughs> yes, so sure. Again, there's also the exact opposite. Not eating certain foods that are sacred to your deity or higher power uh often in stregory or santeria what the high priest may tell you do not eat this and it might just be for physical reasons or health reasons but it might be for religious reasons uh children of chango are not supposed to eat pumpkins pumpkins carry the tale goes that uh Chang'o was gifted six pumpkins filled with gold. And they say if a child of Chang'o eats pumpkin, all his, he loses his riches because pumpkin is sacred to Chang'o. His children shouldn't eat it. Um, a friend of mine was a child of uh, Yamaya, goddess of the oceans, and he was told he can't eat fish. Uh, how did they put it? Fish with fins and scales. Well, later on, he found out he had a blood deficiency, and by eating fish with sca- uh, scales and uh, fins, he was increasing the mercury, and his body wasn't filtering it out. When I found out I was a child of Chang'o with a white uh, with a mother of Oshun, they told me don't eat. Uh, 
uh, what was it, shrimp, crab, or lobster, which are sacred to Oshun. It's like, why? It never bothered me before. They said, just don't do it. Well, right after that, I found out I had a heart problem, and the first thing the doctor said is, you have high cholesterol. Stay away from shrimp, crab, and lobster, which was like half of the uh, menu. So not just eating those sacred foods, but avoiding sacred foods. I got an easy one for you. All right. Every day. This is how I practice every day. I thank my higher powers for all the good things in my life. And even thank them for things that I don't have. Like, oh, thank you for all the riches you bestowed on me. I'm poor. But you know what? I've never been short of money. So the lie becomes the truth. So if you're thanking them for all these things, and they're looking at you going, I didn't give you that. Oh, well, you're thanking me for the little bit you have. You appreciate it here. And they give you more. I thank them for my health every day. And people say, but you're in bad health. I said, but I'm still alive. There you go. So yeah. Every day, start your day with thanking your Arishas, your saints, your gods, whatever, for all the things in your life. Wealth, health, happiness. And you get more of it. Yeah. Another simple thing you could do is just put a just light a candle once a day to thank your higher powers. I keep saying higher powers because I don't know who listens to the show. Is it only pagans? Is it only people who practice Santeria? Do other Christians listen to it? But all those higher powers are the same thing. We just perceive of them differently based on our upbringing and our religion. Right. That's true. One of the things my daughters, I took them to a Catholic church once, and they their mother was Protestant, so I took them to a Catholic church just to expose them stuff, and they thought it was the most beautiful thing they ever saw because this was a very Italian Catholic church with the statues and the lights and everything. And I took them into the one room so they could light candles to uh, the different saints. And my daughter looks up and sees St. Barbara, and she goes, Dad, you got that statue at home, but you always call him her chango. I said, same thing, just like the candle. And then they saw St. Teresa, with, you know, St. Teresa, the little flower. Yep. And I said, you know, if you pray to St. Teresa and she grants your request, You'll know it because you'll get a flower when your request is granted. So they did. And sure enough, when we got home, some uh, one of the neighbors said, oh, look, I picked some flowers. You girls want some? And gave them each a rose. So Marissa and Diana were happy. They were like, oh, my God, we're going to get our, our prayer. We're going to get our prayer. So simple things. Uh, Here's a pragmatic one. I don't know how pragmatic it is for you all in California. But just the act of recycling, just the act, and I don't mean recycling because you have to. I'm talking recycling because you want to. Doing a compost pile, planting flowers or trees, that if you are really a pagan and you're in touch with your higher powers and you're supposed to be in touch with Mother Earth, by doing simple acts to help the environment, you are doing a religious duty. 
if you yep. put your mind to it. Don't just go compost, but realize while you're composting, I'm doing this because the gods are present in everything in our lives. I love that. We kind of talked about that. We touched on that. We just recorded our earth magic episode and we talked about like thinking the earth and how to be conscious of what we're doing with things like that. So it's funny. Like it seems to be a little bit of a theme of the day for us. Yeah, it sure does. That's funny. Yep. Let's get to the juicy question. Come on, Sean. Yeah, let's get to it. So here is our juicy question that inspired bringing our big Papa Strega Vinny on. And I'm going to just go ahead and just start with this. I know I'm going to mispronounce things and I'm going to try my hardest and bear with me. And I'm sure that Vinny will know what I'm saying and can hopefully correct where I'm mispronouncing things and help me out a little bit. So this comes Maybe. from Connor. <laughs> um, and I, I just want to say, because we've we've mentioned um, stories and questions from Connor before in the past, because he's been listening for a while. But Vinny, I am very impressed with Connor because I think he's probably maybe 15 years old now. And he's always wow. has this really wonderful pursuit of education and knowledge when it comes to witchcraft. It's never been this thing that at least that I've noticed with him where he's like, oh, I'm a witch. And that's it. Like he has read um aradia gospel of the witches and he's like written in questions about that like he's very in his pursuit of education and i love it um so he writes in and he says i have a super important question so a big part of my life is my cuban heritage on my dad's side i'm 49.6 percent cuban according to 23 and me his family is from Vinales, and it's kind of rural. There are many brujeria and santeria practices there, but my dad's family is super Catholic, so I never got to learn about them. I grew up with Limpias, but that's about it and crudendismos. I want to know if it's okay to integrate some of this into my practices with my craft, since a huge part of my heritage and culture, but would it also be a way to honor my father and myself? However, would it be considered bad because I'm mixing strega practices with the cultural and ethnic Cubano practices of my family and my people? Wow. That question was written exactly for me, wasn't it? Yes, one hundred percent. It was when I saw that, I was like, "We have to get Vinny to answer this because you practice have practiced both Strega and Santeria." Yeah, it's a very strange thing. A lot of Santeria is directly influenced by the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church was directly influenced by uh, Roman paganism as well as Stregoria. So in Cuba, my godparents, my Streger, uh, my Santeria godparents, don't consider themselves just Santeros or Santeras. They consider themselves Roman Catholic. They do not see a difference between Roman Catholicism in Santeria. Like one of the things that happened when you come out of your room of your initiation as a Santero or Santera, they take you to a Roman Catholic church. And it is very assimilated, Roman Catholicism 
and Santeria. In Stregeria, there's different houses, different rules. Um, some people in Stregeria practiced the Etruscan tradition. That was people like Raven Gramasi. Others practiced Stregeria as uh, more of a Roman, the Roman gods and goddesses. And I know people in Stregeria that are devout Catholics. So their practices, their magical practices, incorporate the saints. And there is a direct correlation between Roman gods and Catholic saints. And there's a direct correlation between the African Orishas and Roman Catholic saints. There are enough differences where I would caution putting the two together. I would never do a ritual to say Mars and Oshun. It just wouldn't work. You know, so you go Mars and Venus or you do Chango and Oshun. The magic is interchangeable, but not... When I say interchangeable, you could do a spell that works in Santeria and you could do that same spell using dragging uh, deities. So, yeah, it works that way. Matter of fact, I was very shocked to find some of those spells I learned in Stregeria were the same spells I learned in Santeria. Um, the Limpiezas he's talking about are cleansings. Those cleansings are very similar, but it was also based on what was at hand. In uh, Cuba, they had a very, some of the cleansings from the African tradition because they couldn't get the same ingredients. Uh, they didn't have rum in Africa. They used palm wine or gin. In Cuba, we used rum. In Italy, we used strega, the liqueur, or um, grappa, which is a, a liqueur or liquor produced from the squeezing, kind of like a brandy, I guess, for cleansings with the alcohol. In Cuba, they use cigars a lot. Italy used cigars. But that was probably a new world invention after Columbus made it uh, the new world. So a lot of these things did cross over. Uh, and again, remember, some of those saints represent gods from these Gregi and Orishas uh, from Santeria. Orishas, let me clarify this. Orishas are like gods. They're like angels. They're like saints. It's in, There's God, there's the Orishas, then there's humans, there's man. Sometimes men have elevated and became Orishas, which was the case with Chango and a couple of his different um, Caminos, his different paths. And we know in Roman mythology there were men that became like gods, such as Hercules uh, and a few others. So there's a lot of similarities, but there's a lot of differences. You can do stregeria, uh, you know, worship the stregi gods and do Santero magic, but I wouldn't 
do a stragy ritual with Santero gods and goddesses and vice okay. versa. I wouldn't do a Santeria ritual with Roman gods and goddesses. They're similar, but they're not the same. And these gods, uh, the, the Orishas are a little less forgiving than the Roman gods. Some of the Roman gods aren't forgiving at all. So yeah. it's a tough question, and it has to be a little bit more uh, well, how can I put it? Well, it would have I'm... to be a little more exact. It would have to be a little more precise on what the question is. But yes, you can use some of your Santeria practices in Stregeria. You can use Stregeria practice uh, in Santeria. But you got to be very clear where you draw those lines. Well, isn't it like saying, like, don't mix uh, the deities? Don't use, you know, if you're going right, to do something, exactly. use the... Right, okay, yeah. So looking at this like... question, though, I don't feel like, and I could be wrong, but, like, the way I'm interpreting this, I don't feel like he would exactly be mixing or blending any of the deities, but it looks like if he wanted to take some of the magic or the spell work, like you were saying, the oh, Olympia yeah, is, a, is a cleansing, right? Right. Yeah. It's, it literally means the cleansing. Okay. Exactly. So this is something that as as a strega, he could still kind of like continue to have that as his practice, but employ oh, some sure. of this magic. Sure. Like, I'll give you an example. Every uh, The Native Americans use smudging, usually which is uh, white sage, sweet grass, and cedar, white sage, sweet grass, and tobacco. In hmm. Italy, there was they used the uh, uh, the incense to for cleansings and purifications. Santeria uses those same incense, a uh, three kings incense or church incense, but they add a camphor to it for a more of a cleansing. The camphor makes it more uh, purified. Uh, when I did Stregeria, I incorporated that camphor into the cleansing. Uh, when I use three kings incense or church incense, perfectly legitimate, perfectly fine. Uh, in Italy, one of the cleansings uses olive branches. In Santeria, there's many cleansings that use different branches and leaves. Perfectly fine. By the way, there's certain cleansings done by the Slavs using white birch. All legitimate. And they can cross over, sure. Just don't mix deities. Okay, I like and that. We, uh, like I used to tell Monica when she was first coming up, I said I like pizza, I like ice cream, and I like mustard, but I don't put mustard on my ice cream on my pizza. Right. <laughs> Time and place for everything. And then, right, and uh, I'm. So, yeah, I practice both. I'm a Babalao, a high priest in Santeria, and I'm a high priest in Stregeria. I have no problem working both of them. But as a Babalao, no, I only read with Ifa. I don't read cards anymore. I still can. I still get psychic impressions. Um, 
and it's okay. But once you become once you become a babalao, you're really not supposed to use any other form of divination. The one thing uh, you will find that they're both based on a Latin community. You know, I I love when Hispanics say we're the Latinos. Well, I'm Italian. We're the original Latinos. That Latin culture came from Rome, went to Spain, Portugal, to the Caribbean, Brazil, Venezuela, and that had that same flow of energy. That Catholicism permeates both religions, and it's fine. And remember, the Egyptians also, the Romans were known to take everybody's stuff and bring it back to Rome and kind of modify it to their um, their culture. So ISIS came from Egypt. The Romans had a cult for ISIS. And I'm sure if the Romans went into Nigeria, they would have brought back a lot of the Yoruban ideas. By the way, a lot of the people believe the Yorubans originally came from Egypt and that the Egyptian gods influenced how the uh, Nigerian Yoruban Orishas were seen. I don't know how true it is, but it is something that's often discussed among uh, people that practice Santeria or study the Yoruban religion. So there is a similarity, and again, that strain goes all the way through the world. So yeah, you're Cuban, be proud, and learn about Santeria. I have a Doesn't question about, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, um, but we, you you did touch on the fact that both of these practices uh, incorporate the saints into right. their their work and so is there any like when i'm not necessarily trying to say like find like a happy medium to blend deities or spirits because i really feel like there is a time or place of like who you're going to talk to and when and i feel like it's really knowing that and not mixing your pantheons especially like you said because with both the orishas and the roman pantheon like sometimes they're not very forgiving um but are there any crossovers of where we could look at a saint and be like the, the deities between these are actually very similar? Uh, yes and no. One of the first ones that come to mind is uh, St. Barbara. If you look at a statue of St. Barbara, she has a turreted crown. It's like a castle crown. There's always a castle at her feet, a castle tower. She holds a sword and uh, a chalice. If you look at the statue of Kybele, exactly the same thing. Kybele's statue became St. Barbara's statue. So St. Barbara came to represent Chang'o. So there is a difference, but the symbolism was the same. But you look at the Blessed Virgin, or better yet, look at St. Lucy, St. Lucy represented Diana, uh, Diana Lucifer, Diana the Lightbringer, not so much in her aspect as the Huntress, but as her aspect of the moon. Diana, Lucy, Saint, Santa Lucia, also represents Obatala in the younger aspect, who was seen in the silver moon. 
So you can see that similarity. By the way, there's some aspects of Obatala that are feminine, a mother aspect. Um, so, yeah, there are saints that represent two gods or orishas that are very similar. Like Venus and Oshun are very similar. Um, Congo and Mars are very similar. Uh, Vulcan and Ogun are very similar. Matter of fact, St. Peter represents um, Ogun, who's the, and also represents Vulcan. So you see that similarity across the board. But mostly I notice it in the different aspects of the Blessed Virgin Mother. Uh, You look at an aspect of Mary, like Our Lady of Ransom. Uh, That's Obatala, but it's also... um, Jupiter, in a way, because Jupiter frees the prisoners. Obatala is is merciful. Uh, they're both father figures. So, yeah, there's a lot of similarities and cross-cultural or cross, uh, yeah, I would say cross-cultural connections. You know, looking at an Orisha saint and the Roman gods, those correspondences are often very similar, and sometimes they're not. But you also have to look at uh, the Brazilian aspect of Candomblé and Macumba, because they have different saint correlations uh, than the Cubans. In Haiti, the Loas have their saint correlations, which are often different than the Cubans, and the Brazilians. And if you went to the Dominican Republic with the 21st Division practices, their Orishas are represent are represented by different saints. So remember, these groups were developed out of uh, necessity. When the slaves were taken to Cuba, the Dominican Republic, Haiti, Brazil, Venezuela, wherever, the Spanish forced them to convert to Catholicism. They didn't want to give up their old religion, so they started incorporating Catholicism into their religion. And eventually, they knew there was a distinction. Eventually, it became so blended, they talked as one. Whereas, like in a reading, you might say, Chango tells you this. And St. Barbara wants this for telling you that. Well, wait, you just said Chango. Well, Kadem Chango and St. Barbara are so connected, they're one. Later on, as a Bible allow, you start going strictly into the Orishas. So, yeah, you'll see correspondences that make sense. And, it, again, St. Barbara comes to mind first. Um, St. Uh, oh, Raphael. He was a healer mm-hmm. in Santeria. Uh, Raphael is also a lot like Mercury, and in Stregoria. And Raphael, Saint uh, Raphael the Archangel, is also in Leg, who was a healer. So you see that connection across the board. Um, so yeah, I. You, but you I would don't still say, make... like, tread lightly with that. Like, don't you don't want to? Right. Like, it's interesting to see the similarities, but like, don't right. don't try and it's... use this saint as a placeholder for two different pantheons. 
Right. You can't do that because right. what happens is, you know, especially with the Orishas, they like what they like and they don't like what they don't like. Um, so you would never feed, would never do an offering to Oshun and Oya on the same table or on the same altar. Never. You don't feed them together because they're arch enemies. And the reason why they're arch enemies is because the two of them were fighting over Chang'o. Uh, so St. Martha is Oya. Uh, Our Lady of Charity is Oshun in certain aspects. And you, they're also called the Three Sisters, Oya, Oshun, and Yamaya, which relate to the Three Sisters of Faith, Hope, and Charity. There's is still it Oya or Oba? Or is that... Oba is another sister. Okay. Oba was... Uh, she was his first wife. But he lived with Oya and was fooling around with Oshun. <laughs> he was just oh, busy with all hey, them sisters, huh? Me. Pardon? And he was just busy with all the sisters, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and... Then, and uh, which they all kind of got pissed off at each other. Poor Oba is the one that suffered the most from it. But Oshun, uh, you know, so Oshun and Oya, you don't feed them together. Yamaya is the oldest sister, and uh, but nobody messes with her. So, you know, and remember... How can I put this? I would never put the two together, the deities of Osh- of Santeria and Stregeria. The magic is very much the same. The numbers seem to be the same. The colors seem to be the same. But if you learn a spell in Stregeria, it's very possible you could use it in Santeria and vice versa. Um, to make someone, if somebody's your enemy and you just want to chill them out and, you know, to stop them from bothering you, you write their name on a brown piece of paper with pencil, put it in the bottom of a jar, fill the jar halfway with sugar, and fill the rest with cool water. Guess what? That spell's used in Santeria and Stregeria, and it works. I so, like it. It's just called, you know, cooling someone. Uh, a lot of those spells were also probably from the ancient Latin, the ancient Romans anyway, that influenced the uh, Santeria side. You know, um, you know, candles. I'm sure they did not have candles in ancient in Africa. They would have melted. But they did have lanterns, you know, they you know, lit with oil. Uh, you know, like oil lamps. So a lot of things were adapted for convenience, uh, for practicality. I remember there was this old native uh a Native American uh medicine man, shaman, whatever you want to call him. Uh I met him through a mutual friend of mine in Monica's. And 
I saw him making something using Sharpie markers. I said, really? Is that traditional? He said, trust me, 200 years ago, if there were Sharpie markers, we would have been using them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. And We've definitely want- evolved a little bit with our uh, ingredients there. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, some people will make a talisman with a Sharpie marker. Hey, yeah. it works. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say, oh, it, you can't do that. <laughs> if it works, it works. Right. The only reason why the Romans didn't use Sharpie markers is nobody invented them yet. There you go. <laughs> I prefer dragon's blood ink, but hey, you know. And a lot I mean, of times, I, I'm fond of my sharpies. I'm fond of my sharpies. I like my dragon's blood ink too. But you know what? I have dropped many jars of dragon's blood ink on the floor and smashed them. I've never smashed a sharpie, so they are clumsy <laughs> proof. I'll give them that. We yeah. did a spell. Uh, Monica was there for it, where we we sat in a circle. It's called, as a matter of fact, you can find this spell in um, Magical Rites from the Crystal Well by Ed Fitch, another good friend of ours. And it's called the Five Candle Spell. And uh, you take a piece of paper, and it's for a healing. And everybody passes the papers around. Everybody starts with a piece of paper, and you put something on it, and you keep passing it where you're making a talisman for someone to heal. And uh, we used colored Sharpie markers, and it worked because there's power in colors. But as far as I'm concerned, Dragon's Blood Ink only comes in red. So, yeah, use it. And I'm sure 300 years from now, they're going to find other technologies that we're going to incorporate. If I'm sure... 200 years ago, if I told somebody I was casting charts, astrology charts using a computer, they would have blew their mind. Yeah. So, you know, if it worked, do it. I like Within it. Reason. Within reason. Within reason. That's you know, a good way to put it. But um, so basically, though, for, for Connor, just because I always like to be very, very clear, and I think the thing we have been, but just saying, getting back to his particular question, he can use some of the magic, some of the things that he has been taught as a way to give a nod to his culture, to honor himself and his father, and not feel like he needs to, but not blend the deities and not feel like he has to abandon any of the yeah. spirits he works with currently. Well, one of the things we find in both strength is his, now I don't re- remember. You might have said, it. "Is Connor's father still alive?" I'm not actually sure. That's a really good question. One of the things in Santeria and Stregeria is ancestral worship. We always give honor to the dead before we do anything. We feed the dead before we feed the gods. And in Santeria, we always have what they call a bovida, which is a a shrine to your dead, your dead ancestors. In Stregeria, we have the same thing. We have our lares and we have our ancestral worship, where you put pictures of your dead family members with water and candles and food and flowers and both. 
And it's the same in Stregria as in Santeria. So one of the things I would tell Connor is make an altar to your dead ancestors. Put offerings of food, fruit, candles, candy, cigars, whatever they like. And the same thing, when you give offerings to your gods, your Orishas, do the research, what do they like, and make that offering. Uh, it could be as simple as, say, for Ilegua, three mounds chocolate candies, you know, the coconut chocolate-covered coconut that's mm. mounds, right? Yeah. Uh, three pieces of fruit, a cup of coffee, a little glass of rum, and a candle. If he's underage, forget the rum. But put nine flowers out or three flat white flowers out. It's easy. But you have to do your research. You don't want to put out something that they don't like. Well, Lego likes everything, but somebody <laughs> reaches don't need the same thing. You know um, what? It's true. Do your research on any of these deities, man, because some of them are kind of flexible and, you know, you'll you'll mess up and they'll they'll be forgiving. But some of them, they are they're not that understanding and patient so do your research and now we have computers everywhere we have them in our pocket at all times you have no excuse right exactly Exactly. and when i first started we didn't have computers we definitely didn't have internet well we had computers but they were like candy 64s and um i made mistakes and you know what the orishas and this god's Kind of overlooked his saying he don't know, but at least he's trying. But I learned, you know, you eventually have to learn. But yeah. you don't give Obatala palm oil. You don't give uh, uh, certain gods that are cha- uh, cel- not celibate, uh, that don't drink alcohol, like Obatala. You never give Obatala alcohol because of the legend. And in the Roman pantheon, too, you, there's certain things you just don't do. You have to study your gods and your orishas. And you'll, yeah. one of the things you'll find out is they all like candy. They all like water. They all like candles and flowers. So yes. you start off simple. And you know what? You're not initiated. You can, they're a little more lenient with a non-initiate than somebody like me. I should know better. But don't think you know it all. Don't think you can blend Oya and Mars. Ain't going to work. Jupiter is the, is the god of lightning, thunder, and fire. Or actually thunder and lightning. You don't want to put him in with say uh Yamaya. They're they're different. They're they're the same but different. And you gotta know those differences. That's why I always tell people do not blend pantheons. And that's why the seven goddess chant used to just irk the heck out of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know the seven, the seven I know goddess that one. Chant? Yes, 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 yes. Yep. <laughs> if you're smart, you make up your own chance. But hey, um, we were lucky. We had a friend who was a good musician. 
but yeah. Monica's to always find the, the musicians. I find the artist, she finds the musician, then we teach all the girls to dance. But this friend of ours, Kenny, actually wrote music that was perfect for Circle. And then as a group, we wrote the lyrics for this, for two different songs, matter of fact. And it worked out great. And it just raised incredible amounts of power. And then Monica put all the girls to dance the quarters in, which even made it more powerful. And uh, guess what? None of this music was from the Stragis. None of it was from the Orishas, but it worked. And, And But you had to know the basics. Monica knew the basics of the quarters, and she, her, who worked with you on that, Janet? I don't remember. I don't remember who worked with me on it, but yeah. I think it was Janet. Janet was a good dancer, too. And each of the girls danced in the quarter. And then Monica got to dance in the God and Goddess with Teddy Andrews. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Oh, I've heard about this ritual. That was really cool. Monica's had us dance in the quarters once too. We the coven did a ritual at the Green Man store. And that was really cool. We danced in the quarters and one of um our coven sisters, her her husband's a percussionist, so he like played different instruments and played played it in for us too. That's and how powerful was that? It was, it was amazing. Great. Yeah, it was great. It was awesome. Yeah. One of the things that when action is more powerful than words. Oh, hell yeah. If you you do action as well as the words, it is infinitely more powerful than just reciting a prayer or an invocation or a chant. When you put in an action, and I don't care if it's dancing, drumming, lighting a candle you are you're putting in an action you're doing something and i think that was one of the reasons why the roman catholic magic was always more powerful than the protestants they went to church lit a candle and did their prayers they're blessing themselves with holy water which is a ways of cleansing and this is this is an interesting thing what's the difference between a priest and a minister, a priest, a minister speaks and talks and lectures. A minister, a priest practices magic. He performs ritual. Just a rabbi does it, Catholic priests, Russian Orthodox priests, Episcopalians, and Lutherans. The other religions, Baptist, Methodists, they don't have ritual they don't practice magic when you receive the body and blood of christ in the catholic church catholics truly believe better yet they know that they're receiving the body and blood of christ some religions it's just symbolic but to the roman catholic and the orthodox it is real the same thing that's action in paganism, when you do the great rite, whether it's with the uh, symbolic or actual, let's go with symbolic, of the chalice 
and the Athami coming together as one, to us it's not really symbolic. That's real. That's the joining of male and female energies for creation. And that action makes your magic, your rituals more powerful. When you dance in a circle, you are using energy, physical energy. You're singing or dancing or singing and dancing. It adds more energy. And you're raising energy to manifest a need. You notice I said a need, not a want. Uh-huh. In Santeria, I can't talk much about the rituals, but in Santeria, it's very, very physical. It is not just chanting. There's chants, there's songs, there's dances, lots of dances. There's lots of action. And that's what makes Santeria so powerful. That's what makes voodoo or uh, the voodoo in Haiti so powerful. I'm sure everybody saw some movie where you saw the Haitian voodoo priestesses dancing. There's more to the dance than just dancing. I can't get into that. That's kind of secret. But it's action. It's uh, not just words actions speak louder than words and when you're speaking and acting it's even more powerful remember when we were kids they would say you have to write your spelling words five times each Mm -hmm. well if you just wrote them it didn't mean nothing but if you were writing c a t and saying it at the same time you're creating a better memory of that lettering, that spelling, that word. The same thing with magic. Words, sound, physical action makes it more, the more of your five senses you can get involved, the better it is. So speaking, hearing, smelling from the incense, and the kinetic energy raises a lot more power than just now, Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, blessed it out. Mm-hmm. It's so, true. You're putting that that effort, that effort in. You're committing it, and it's fine that you bring up spelling words because my mom actually had me do that as a kid. I had to like spell it like out loud while also like signing it in sign language to spell it. Because the more wow. that you would do, you would you would memorize it more. Yeah, so that's how she would have me do it. And that's great because the sign language. Is very physical. By the way, mm-hmm. to this day, when I type, when I think of somebody's phone number, I still uh, dial it in my head. Like you'll see my fingers going, okay, two two three five 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 six seven two, whatever. You know, my fingers will actually make the sign. Same thing with my passwords. Um, <clears throat> so that's a good point. The more. I don't know how we got off on that tangent, but it's an important tangent. It's true. It is. This is a really valuable, valuable sub lesson that you guys are all getting here because it's true. And to put that into practice. And I think we all need that sometimes because I can't speak for everyone. I can only speak for myself, but I do know that I, I get lazy. 
I get lazy with my stuff sometimes and maybe it's because I'm really busy or whatever it is, but we have to kind of remember to put those actions into practice. If you want to have powerful magic, you need to have powerful actions that you're willing to put into it. Like there is, there is a sacrifice that we all have to make. And sometimes that's energy or our time or whatever it is, but it's more than just, you know, mumbling off a chant or an incantation. Exactly. And one of the things I used to teach all the time, a spell begins the moment you think about it. Yep. So when you, the moment you say, I got to do a spell for this, you have started collecting the energy. So even if you have to go to the green man or wherever you go shopping for your supplies, you're putting that effort into collecting the supplies. You're putting that effort into bringing it in home and getting ready. When you dress or undress, depending on how you practice, uh, you're putting more energy to build up toward that energy. So if you work skyglass, taking off your clothes, you're putting energy in. If you work robe, you're taking your old clo- your street clothes off and putting your robe on. That's creating energy, all with this intent. And the more effort you put in, even if it's simple, like saying, I have to go to Spellbound and pick up two white candles. That effort of going to Spellbound or going to Green Man or going to wherever to buy two white candles is an effort. When you were working, you say, I'm going to dedicate this hour from one in the afternoon to two in the afternoon for the money I raised for this hour is going to go for my magical supplies. You're adding energy to everything because actions speak louder than words. Yep. I love that. I like that. Like whatever I make during this hour is going towards my magical efforts or toward, like, I really do like that. That's a good one. Well, thank you. I'm going to definitely put that one into practice. Just a couple, right? Yeah, just a couple. I was just talking to someone, and they said, Vinny, do you realize that you opened, you started this path almost 50 years ago? I said, yeah, not really, because I was only 14. I was just kind of reading and stuff. He goes, you got initiated and got into this in around 81. I'm like, yeah. He goes, that was 40 years ago. He said, oh, my God, I'm old. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, go ahead. If you think about it, Monica, we've known each other at least 30 years. Oh, my God. 30 plus years. You know what, Monica? What? I'm just going to say it. One of these days, I'm going to get Vinny on without your knowledge, and I'm going to collect all the embarrassing Monica stories. (laughs) And I'm just going to just slowly leak them out on Patreon. Oh my God. God. We'll we'll start right now. Monica, (laughs) me, and two other people were having dinner at the North, uh, I think it was the Lynnhurst Diner, which was Uh right on the Passaic River. And the Passaic River is a big river. It's not like the Mississippi or anything. And a lot of tugboats go up and down. They used to go up and down, bringing barges up and down. for fuel oil and all that. Well, Monica's known to sometimes get a little gassy. 
she let out a burp in the middle of this diner. Everybody looked in the river to see the fog, uh, the foghorn on the boat, the tugboat's going up. And then we're looking at Monica, and she had that innocent face like, ooh, what was that? I know that face. Yep, I know that face. <laughs> you never told you that story, huh? <laughs> yeah, I remember that well. Yeah, oh. that happened several times. So yes, I um, love it, Vinny. Thank you so much for first of all for the embarrassing Monica story. I love those, but thank you for coming on and just sharing so much knowledge with our listeners. This has been such a a valuable wealth of knowledge. Like it's been a really wonderful treat. Yes, it well, has. Hopefully, hopefully this COVID thing clears up soon. Because I want to get out to California so bad to see you guys again and teach a couple of classes. I just kind of miss being out there. Yeah. Yeah. And we miss you too. Yeah. It's Come been... on out. We miss you. Yes. Well, clear up the COVID and then I'll be there. Okay. Okay. All right, everybody. Um, do you have a shout out? Uh, my shout out. Well, you know what? My shout out is to Connor. It's because of his really wonderful question that we thought to ask Vinny to come on. And I have just been tickled pink talking to Vinny. I always am. So thank you, Connor, for, for asking this question to inspire us to get some time in with Big Papa Strega. And mine is a ditto to that. Ditto to that as well. So yeah, Vinny, you do you have a shout out to anyone? To all of you. Blessed be and have a very happy, fulfilling Thanksgiving. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. That's beautiful. Well, guys, you heard it here first. And until next time, merry meet, merry part, and, and merry, merry again. Meet again.